painful joints can be debilitating and adversely affect daily life. So we're discussing total joint replacement. Our guest, Dr. Jasbreet Sadu. He's an orthopedic surgeon specializing in hip and knee replacement for Dignity Health. This is Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Joey Waller. Hi there, Dr. Sadu. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Great to have you with us. So first, hips and knees are always the most common joint replacements, right? Why is that, do you think? Well, I think we're living longer. We're placing much more value on living a active lifestyle, and our joints aren't designed to last for the entire duration of our life. So in order for people to maintain that quality of life, they're seeking definitive intervention and definitive means of controlling their discomfort so they can continue with that active lifestyle and enjoy life. Yeah, so we're certainly seeing an increase in hip and knee replacement surgery. So when our joints do need replacing, is it just that wear and tear that causes it or can there be other factors in play? There are some other factors that come into play. Some of the inflammatory arthropathies like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, psoriatic arthritis, those are some of the other reasons that joints can deteriorate. But one of the most common reasons is your run-of-the-mill wear and tear. The analogy I use with people is you've got a car that you've put 25,000 miles on, the tires are going to wear out, the treads are going to show some wear. So that's what we're dealing with, knees and hips. Gotcha. So what symptoms typically indicate that our joints may need replacement? When has it gone beyond just run-of-the-mill pain that could or should be tolerated? I found most people have a fairly high threshold for pain. So pain can be a good determining factor when to pull the trigger on a knee or hip replacement. But primarily what patients will share is the impact that it's having on their day-to-day activity and their day-to-day quality of life. So one of the biggest questions I ask patients is, if there's something that you enjoy doing and you're waking up in the morning wondering, hey, should I really do this because the next day I'm really going to be paying the price? That's the time when I think it's appropriate to really start thinking about symptom-wise, x-ray-wise, if joint replacement is a good option. So we'll get to what surgery entails if needed in a moment, but first, what treatment if any, is tried before surgery is recommended? So before surgery is recommended, we always talk about doing anti-inflammatory medications as long as there are no other major contraindications like stomach upset or kidney disease. Using a assistive device, either a cane, to offload the joint. There are some braces that we can utilize that offload the inside part of the knee. Physical therapy is actually a really good modality It teaches people not only how to go about their day-to-day activity, but also strengthening the joints and teaches them a regimen that they can incorporate into a part of their day-to-day routine so it maintains the mobility in their joints. So those are some of the early non-invasive interventions we can discuss with patients. Cortisone injections are also a good option. They do temporarily get rid of the discomfort and get the level of discomfort back to a baseline so people can continue maintaining their mobility until they're fully committed and ready to move forward with uh, surgical intervention. Okay, so that being said, if hip or knee replacement surgery is needed, in layman's terms, simply put, in each case, hip, knee, what are you doing actually? There's a very common misconception that I hear from patients with knee replacement surgery that we're going to be removing the entire knee joint, the end of the thigh bone, top of the shin bone. That's not actually what we do. 
we remove a very small amount of bone, which equals anywhere between three to seven, eight millimeters. That includes the cartilage on it. And we sort of put a cap over the top of the bone. So think of it like a resurfacing when you have a cavity or a crown put on your tooth, as opposed to getting the entire tooth removed. We put a crown or a cap over the top of your knee joint. So that's when we have a knee replacement. A hip replacement is in a sense of removing the entire ball and replacing that with an artificial ball and the cup that the ball sits inside, our native cup, that gets resurfaced as well with a metal cup. So we have a completely brand new bearing. But a knee replacement, yes, that's the most common misconception I hear is we're removing the entire knee joint. But it's more of a, think of it more of as a resurfacing. Gotcha. And when you say resurfacing for a moment, Doc, I thought you were going to go with another car analogy and say it's like getting your <laughs> rotors resurfaced instead of replaced, right? <laughs> hey, if it helps, then by all means. <laughs> so you use a minimally invasive technique known as a muscle sparing technique. What does that mean exactly? So big into analogies, kind of similar to hip replacement. There's the front approach, the back approach. Ideally, the front approach is thought to be a little bit more minimally invasive, less muscle damage. Knee replacement surgery in the same sense is an invasive procedure, but when we talk about minimally invasive, it's really how we're handling the soft tissues, all the muscles around the knee. So the traditional way of doing the knee replacement surgery is we go around the kneecap and then cut into the quadriceps tendon. And what I had found was patients, even three to six months up to a year out, would just constantly be massaging that area, getting rid of some of the inflammation in their quadriceps tendon. So what I've learned and what I've found in my clinical practice is a minimally invasive way where we can remove the entire quad muscle out of the way, including the kneecap out of the way to get access to the joint without actually cutting into the quadriceps tendon, that has led to much faster recovery anecdotally in my clinic, but also there's literature that backs patients are having earlier return to function, getting rid of their assistive devices on a significantly earlier fashion compared to the traditional way of doing knee replacement surgery. How about for a hip? So for a hip replacement surgery, yeah, I talked about the anterior approach as opposed to cutting into the big muscle in the back of the hip, our butt muscle. Anterior approach, we're going through a group of muscles, so really minimizing the damage that's occurring to any particular muscle. And as a result, getting rid of the walker, getting rid of the cane, earlier return to work, all that's happening at least on a three to six week period faster than the traditional way. And for patients, that's very important to be able to get back to their quality of life, day-to-day activity on a sooner as opposed to waiting the longer period of time. Sure. So let me ask you more about that. You mentioned timetable. How about from going home to rehabbing thereafter, what can patients actually expect? What's happening during that time? So for knee replacement during the first two weeks, most patients are utilizing a walker for about seven days or so, and then transitioning to a cane in the comfort of their own home. And then as they're doing that, they're constantly working on ambulation and range of motion. Around that initial two to three week period, sometimes two to four week period, people start feeling relatively comfortable with the use of a cane and start getting around their home without a cane. And not uncommon actually by six week period for them to come into my office without the use of a cane or they have a cane in their head more for a peace of mind but are not necessarily using it. So the first six weeks is getting back to their normal day-to-day chores around the house, running some small errands outside of the house. People start thinking about getting back to work if they're still in the, in the workforce. Around that 
six to 12 week period is when that strength, the stamina begins to come back. People start formally getting in touch back with their employer, thinking about getting back to work and making arrangements for getting back to work. So I talk about it in six week increments, the first six weeks, getting rid of the assistive device, six to 12 weeks, getting back to kind of your increased activity, increased strength, thinking about getting back to work. Full recovery from a joint replacement surgery is a year-long process. We find that these disease states, they've been occurring for multiple years before the patients have definitive intervention. It takes a while for a joint replacement to feel normal. That being said, if we're talking about zero to 100 for the entire recovery, zero to about 75, so 75% of it happened in the first three months. So it's very front-loaded. And then the stamina, the strength, the ability to go on a long walk, three, four miles, if that's what they do, that starts to happen over the course of three months to 12 months. Okay, so to use yet another analogy, this time on my end, you're really kind of taking one step back with all that rehab to take several steps forward in the long run after struggling pre-surgery, which activities do you find patients are most happy about eventually resuming normally once they get to around that year out? All that is very patient-specific. Ultimately, for my elderly patients, being able to get back their independence. So driving is a big thing for them when they're rehabbing. And that's something I'm very careful in discussing in the preoperative setting, especially when it's a right knee replacement. If they don't have any support group, their entire livelihood depends on them being able to get in and out of the vehicle, being able to drive. So for those patients, typically about four to six weeks where that recovery time, that reaction time is back to being able to slam on a brake in case of an emergency. Those are sort of dependent more upon the age group. But in terms of being able to go on a vacation with family, being able to go on a hike, those are the things that patients really enjoy doing because that's what helps them make those memories with their family. And that's what they share most frequently is they're not able to do or they are afraid to do before surgery. So that's the restoration of the quality of life that's very gratifying. So it could be anything from resuming driving a car to driving a golf ball, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. I can relate. I enjoy golf myself. So it, it would Well, you're be, a doctor. It be, it's yeah. the law, right? <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's required. So finally, to kind of sum things up, how rewarding is it for you? How long have you been at this, number one? And number two, how rewarding for you to be able to make this kind of a positive impact on people's lives so dramatically when they recover? So I started with my practice in September of 2017. So I've been there for a little over five and a half years. And as far as the gratification factor, you know, being able to restore somebody's quality of life, get rid of their day-to-day discomfort, being able to put a smile on their face. Words are escaping me right now, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It's a special gift that we get to share with other people. And I wake up every day thankful that I, I have the ability to offer people that. That's awesome to hear. Well, folks, we trust you're now more familiar with total joint replacement. Dr. Jaspreet Sidhu, thanks so much again. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks again. And for more information, please do visit DignityHealth.org forward slash Stockton forward slash ortho. Again, that's DignityHealth.org forward slash Stockton forward slash O-R-T-H-O. If you found this podcast helpful, please do share it on your social media. And thanks again for listening to Hello Healthy, a Dignity Health podcast. Hoping your health is good health. I'm Joey Wall.